Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Roth Pod. I'm here um, matching hats with my good friend Orion here. Uh, obviously, I'll actually have to post the video this week because usually I haven't, I haven't been posting the video recently. Um, but we are here. We're back again with another episode. Should be a, a an interesting episode for sure. Um, number 73, Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing today? What's going on? Yeah, I'm doing great, Donnie. And for those people who are interested in the hats, we did plan it. How about that? Donnie and I did decide that we were going to match hats for this podcast. So yeah, guess what? That's what we did. I'm really excited. You are right. We have some news about the Chicago Blackhawks that does not thrill me or any other human being really in the world. Probably there's a crazy situation we're going to break down. But other than that, it should be a good podcast. Lots of sports going on. As we mentioned, October is a really fun month. So um, yeah, as always, Donnie, looking forward to getting into yeah, and you know, as you said, obviously October a fun month. It's only a fun month for certain people. Um, if you're a fan of the NHL and a fan of the Chicago Blackhawks, first off, it's been a, it's been a tough little road here. Uh, while the team is not playing well, uh, there was um, some more important information. Um, so I believe, and I, I want you to make sure that you fact check me on everything that I'm saying sure. here. But this began in 2010. The the situation at hand was in 2010 during the playoffs uh, near the Stanley Cup. Yep. Correct. And, and um, so a player that has now been identified as Kyle Beach, a former um, lottery pick from the Blackhawks, I think in 2008, if I'm not mistaken there, yep. um, was uh, sexually assaulted by a, a, the video coach at the time named Brad Aldrich, who uh, also went on to have other incidents in other capacities with multiple teams um, that we have established here. Um, but he was um, sexually assaulted at the time. Uh, did not get anywhere. Nobody spoke up. Nobody said anything about it. He told other players, uh, coaches, people in the organization, and people in the NHLPA, all of which decided to basically just brush it under the rug or ignore the the issue at hand. Um, so that's we're talking 2010. We're talking 11 years ago. And now finally, um, I, I think in May, he uh, filed a lawsuit with all the, the sexual assault claims and everything, uh, which obviously all very true. What he's saying is, is um, been corroborated by just about everybody. There's, there's factual evidence behind it. And now we're at the point where we've seen Blackhawks general manager, um, Stan Bowman has stepped down, essentially fired. I think we could both agree on that. Um, it was going to happen regardless. Um, some other uh, high up executives in the organization have also stepped down. And we've also seen a lot of, um, pressure for coach of the Florida Panthers, Joel Quenville, Joel Quenville, um, GM of the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Chevaldeoff, um, all these guys that have been, that were part of the organization to step down from their jobs immediately or be fired. Um, so as a Blackhawks fan, first off, th- this has got to be a little bit different than, than being just a fan of the NHL because obviously we're all appalled and shocked at what's happened, but to see it happen firsthand and to be, to see it happen and get ignored for 11 years of your life, um, and finally come out here. How does it feel? Like, what's the what's the thought process here? 
Yeah, I mean, a really unfortunate circumstance that's gone on the last couple of months, you know, we've kind of gotten a little bit more news coming out, but really kind of the big news today that came out on top of, as you mentioned, the, um, you know, finally some action from the Blackhawks saying, okay, we've kind of completed our internal investigation, and we're going to be moving on from all of the leadership that were involved in our front office that was associated with covering up these sexual assault allegations uh, against Kyle Beach from the video coordinator, as you mentioned there, Donnie. So, um, you know, for a little while now we've been thinking man like why are they still in in a position now like it was so confusing why Stan Bowman was allowed to continue to be their manager through the offseason through the start of this season where he's making significant moves that are so blatantly obvious that he's just trying to keep his job where he's going so all in trading a future first round pick for Seth Jones and signing him to a massive contract going out and acquiring Marc-Andre Fleury and Tyler Johnson very aggressive moves that he was making while still having these sexual assault allegations over his head. A lot of it is very, you know, disturbing. And when you really sit down and listen to Kyle Beach come out and talk in that interview that he had with TSN, um, you know, it's, it was very, very difficult to sit through and listen to it. And even over the course of the video, it just got more and more uncomfortable to listen to the experience that he had, as you mentioned, Donnie, a former, you know, first round pick, a guy that pretty much everyone in Blackhawks community was like, oh, this guy was just a bust. But when you actually listen to what happened to him, how he was abused and how it altered, you know, his life and how he didn't even feel like he had someone to turn to in the organization. And he felt like he was the one that was like in the wrong for the situation for speaking up about what had really happened. It, forget being a, a hockey fan, a Blackhawks fan, like a human being like that is just so sad to listen to someone go through that and give a lot of respect and courage to Kyle Beach for speaking up about the matter in the first place. It's certainly not easy to, you know, talk about that with any human being, let alone in front of a, a camera where you're being interviewed. And, um, you know, as he knows, thousands of people will be listening. So, um, you know, it was just really sad to be able to listen to that. And, you have to take some of it with a grain of salt and say, hey, you know, the Blackhawks, they did eventually finally get to the point where they're moving on. And like you said, there's still some up in the air situations with both Joe Quenville with Florida and Kevin Cheveldale with Winnipeg. Um, but the fact that the Blackhawks are moving on, you know, you have to just look at that and say, OK, maybe they are willing to change. But even still, even right after the Kyle Beach video came out and I dropped right at about five o'clock central time. And, uh, you know, everybody in Blackhawks world, you know, as soon as that video got posted, was watching it. And even the Blackhawks themselves, they put out a statement like 30 minutes after the video came out, which was a 25 minute video, you know, all their executives were watching it and they were still saying, Oh no, we're, we're still so committed towards winning. And yeah, that's been their MO, the one goal thing. And you want to compete, but it, it's just a situation where it's like, man, like it, it's so disappointing to, almost be a, even a little insensitive after someone makes a comment like that. And, um, you know, it really does make you sad, as I mentioned, not just as someone who has supported the Blackhawks during the time period of when these events took place, but just as a human being to listen to what Kyle Beach had to go through and hearing him recall it, it just got more and more sad um, as that video went along. Yeah, I agree. And you definitely said um, you said something about being uncomfortable watching the video, but I think the whole point is we should be uncomfortable with these situations, yeah, situations 100%. like this. I think that's that's the a big takeaway just in a moral perspective for just a normal everyday human being is that these things should make you uncomfortable. These are things that should uh, you should be sitting there like 
Yeah, it's uh, fucked oh, up. Like, <laughs> That's what yeah, it is. It's at, at every core sense of the word. And I mean, it's like you can even go about like some of the quotes that he said. So he said that he reported every detail to the uh, individuals at NHL PA, including the um, current uh, current executives, multiple current executives, and um, how they basically turned their back on him. And then three or four months ago at that point, um, before uh, having this lawsuit that I talked about um, earlier, Three or four months ago, the NHL denied the investigation. They wanted nothing to do with it. They didn't want to touch it. USA Sports was also not interested in, in looking into it. USA Hockey didn't want to look into it. So as much as you want to believe, oh, like, we, you know, we can move forward and everything. If, you, if you've got the NHL saying, oh, no, we don't want to investigate this. This is old news. It's, it shows that, first off, you know, I would say Gary Bettman and gang are going to have a whole lot of growing to do and a whole lot of learning to do pretty quickly or else they're going to be out of jobs. Because this is a it's as big of a scandal as you're going to find in terms of complicit executives, people with a lot of power that could have done very easily could have done something. This is not it's not hard to, to deal with these things. You have to report it to the proper people, and they ignored, um, you know, taking it to either taking it to the police or um, taking it to the NHL, who who very much should have. Um, done something had the higher ups had Stan Bowman and gang been like, yeah, you have to deal with this now. We need your help. We need an investigation. They would have done it. It's it, at that point, it, it's, it, it kind of, it just hurts to see a failure at, at something that is set up specifically to ignore nothing to, to, to handle every situation, no matter how big or small. And we've seen it now and we're going to see it moving forward too. I think with, as you mentioned, Joel Quenville and Cheval Dayoff and, and Bergevin in, in Montreal uh, knowing if, if any of these people knew anything. So it's the report is that Joel Quenville basically said, oh, it's the playoffs right now. I don't want to deal with it, um, which is disgusting. I think, you know, there's nobody's going to tell you it's not. Uh, and people saying, oh, we're going to wait until after the playoffs. First off, you know, let, let's just be realistic here and say that is never the way to handle these things. And that is something that even if it is so far in the past, which it is over a decade ago, that's something that, that you should be – I probably terminated for you probably should not be able to work um, in the league anymore because it is a, a failure firsthand at these people for protecting and a coach, especially for protecting his players. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing about this whole situation too, that's been really unfortunate, Donnie is that I feel like the more information that's come out, the worse it's gotten, like the more people that covered it up, Which is the more usually how in it that goes. locker room, you know, could have done something and chose not to even look at the team the current captain of the Chicago Blackhawks was the captain of the Blackhawks. Then like that, that we're talking about people that are the leaders in your organization at the, both the front office and in the locker room as a player. I mean, it's just really, you know, the, the culture associated with it all is just really when it, when you really hear someone talk about it and hear it, you just kind of realize how wrong it is. And there's a lot of things within hockey culture that are just that, and they still have such a long way to go in terms of being accepting towards other groups. And uh, it's not a secret that, you know, the hockey community has been very, you know, kind of exclusive and viewed as a privilege and a more affluent, you know, white kind of stereotype for, um, you know, who they're accepting of in their locker rooms. And there's so much growing that needs to happen that, you know, it's like, like I said, there's so much bad that's coming out of it, but, and even still after the Kyle Beeks thing, like I said, with the Blackhawks putting out that, you know, pretty ignorant statement and clearly an emotional statement, you know, obviously your owner was involved. If that type of situation, it was like, bang, Kyle Beeks just came out and you released a statement immediately after it's like, 
it's, it's almost just like disrespectful that you're not even taking a time to listen to what just happened. Like for me, I watched that video and I was like, wow, this human being really went through a lot of suffering. And that own organization still took it as like, oh, we're, we're competing to win a championship still as they're sitting here right now with one of the worst teams in the national hockey league. So it's really just so it really just kind of puts you at a loss for words. And, and like I said, the situation just continued to get worse. And I thought you brought up a good point with the NHLPA. It's like Kyle beach. He wasn't getting it in his own organization. So we tried to reach out to the league and they wouldn't even have his back. It's really disappointing that, you know, that situation had to happen for someone and you have just have to hope that, you know, that situation will change and that the next person that gets put in that situation, which is something that Kyle Beach even recognized. It's like, like sexual assault's going to happen again. It fucking sucks. It shouldn't, but it will. And other people are going to be victim to the same thing. And it's important for us as a society to find out, okay, how can we be helping these people and learning from them? Because you listen to someone and the raw emotion that was coming out of Kyle Beach, honestly, Donnie, it, it took me a lot back to when the Milwaukee Bucks had the pro- protests over the summer, when they sat out of the, uh, the uh, playoff game. And, and you're hearing some of the African-Americans talk about the experiences they dealt with racism like those were some of the similar vibes i got just listening it's like how can you not be so empathetic towards this person and wanting to help out them when rather than a situation where he was the one who felt like he was in the wrong uh for talking up about the situation i mean um those were really a lot of the feelings that i had um in in hearing all all of this unfold and, and listening to kyle beach today yeah, and I mean, there was even a point in the, the TSN interview where I would implore everybody who is listening to this to go listen to that um, before you come back. As to best you can. If you can make it through yeah, it, God bless you. Yeah, but I saw somebody, uh, or, or no, I, I he said that he um, that there was an incident a couple years later that he blamed himself for. And it's like, first off, you know, as somebody who is very clearly a victim, very clearly a survivor of something that, first off, doesn't get talked about as, as much, um, you know, we don't hear about much sexual assault within like locker rooms stuff like sure. that that's that's a very very serious yeah circumstance. Coach. For, somebody to, for somebody to put that onus on himself saying oh you know I, I, the future you know the thing that happened after that's my fault is so heartbreaking because considering like we can all we all know it's not on him but he's gonna live his life thinking oh i could have done more oh i could have done something and that right there is something that could have very easily have been stopped had anybody taken him seriously um but yeah, at this point, it's really just like every day we're going to have more information. I'm sure we'll talk again next week on, on what else has come out because I'm sure there's going to be some something's going to happen. Yeah. Um, whether it's uh, Coach Quenville being fired or GM Chevaldeoff having to step down or or uh, anything with Bergevin or them, you know, taking away the Stanley Cup from some people, which you know very well should happen. Yeah. Um, and I think we will see that over the next couple of days. Um, it is really interesting just to think about in general sports. We've had a lot of like random weird scandals this year, like just strange, uh, whether it's Trevor Bauer sexual assault thing, which is, has been so totally weird as a, as a Dodger fan, um, first and foremost, being able to like, there's a lot of Dodger fans that can't pick out right and wrong. And, and I've noticed a lot like people saying, Oh, you know, Bauer should be able to pitch while this is no, he shouldn't like, let's be realistic here or Deshaun Watson and his situation where he's being sued by 26 different people. Which is just again, you know, yeah. we're we're getting Deshaun Watson trade rumors this week, like like the guy is not in an ongoing investigation of of two dozen people saying, oh, right. I I was treated. So I think in general, it's it's a hockey culture thing, but it's also a sports culture thing. Yeah, it's a great and point. I, I think that we we need to establish that first off. Obviously, hockey is hockey had had a bad rap the last couple of years. We've seen with time and time again, whether it's uh, the Flames issue with racism and coaching. Um, what was it last year, two years? I can't, you know, time is weird. Um, <laughs> and then even, even situations with players like the Tony D'Angelo thing, um, 
you know, going back to that and then him being uh, signed by the Hurricanes, a lot of fans were not thrilled at seeing that happen. Um, and, and even in the other sports, we see constant just the last year or two has been a lot. It's really and, and this is something that should permeate the realms of just hockey this should be it. football basketball baseball any sport should be looking at this as like if something happens you need to say something you need to publicize it as much as possible and you need to listen to the person that's telling you these things yeah and i think if we learn anything from this situation is just we just got, gotta listen to things like this you have to these have to be they're so serious and you know i saw people comparing the last thing before we move on i saw people saying oh they got fined two million dollars compared to the devils who circumvented the cap um and got fined more than them you know, the, the NHL do, does tone deaf things constantly, whether it's Department of Player Safety stuff or things like oh. this. And we just sit there like, oh, this is great. Like, what what can we do? But but in reality, it's like the I think the NHL, probably the worst PR of, of any major sports league in the world. It's just it constantly, whether it's teams deciding, oh, the Blackhawks saying, oh, we're committed to championships, which is just ridiculous. The fact that somebody allowed that statement is maybe the most bizarre part of this entire thing. Like the fact that somebody who is hired and gets paid a lot of money, because let's think about this real quick. In the Blackhawks office, when they're, when they're seeing the Kyle Beach stuff and they're getting this, this meeting together, this emergency meeting, they've got the highest executive possible in the office. And, and everybody agreed, yeah, we're going to, that's the one. That's the, come on. Like it's, it's time to grow up. It's time to get past these things. It's time to really just start fresh because you're, you're making us look bad here as, as hockey fans. Yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of good points that you just brought up there, especially with the NHL just needing to, you know, make some steps forward. I always think of that with head injuries. Like, they still deny CTE, and there's a link between, you know, getting drilled into the boards 13 times. And it happens, uh, like, weekly. And, and, and not, like, uh, there, there's so much that, that needs to change. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's going to happen too late. You know, we've NHL has been playing over 100 years, and a lot of this stuff hasn't changed. And it really sucks that something like this has to come out. And, and I bet it's not going to be the last time either, Donnie. It really sucks to say it, but there's still so much that needs to be done. And uh, I'll just make one more joke because this was a shitty situation to begin with, and then we'll move on. But I was going to say that the, you, you mentioned the, the penalty that the NHL put on the $2 million suspension, but you know what, Donnie, why didn't the NHL just take away the Blackhawks first round pick? Oh wait, Stan Bowman already traded it to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So we lost yeah, it. There it is. Um, you know, uh, if you listen here, you know that RK is very not thrilled with how the team has progressed the last couple of years. We talked about this uh, probably since uh, pod number one. Uh, but I, I think we can move on to something that is a little bit more um, able to be celebrated, and that's the World Series. It's here again. Um, uh, you know, I'm not thrilled about it as a Dodger fan. You know, the Braves, they won the series. Uh, a lot of un uncertain futures uh, ahead of us. Um, we're currently midway through game two. Um, game one was basically dominated by Atlanta. Um, very interesting situation. Atlanta, literally, Charlie Morton, start, starting pitcher, breaks his leg while pitching, throws 16 more pitches, gets everybody out, and then Hall was off the field with, with a, a devastating leg injury, something that is very, very hard to deal with um, in, in, a, in a victory, a 6-2 victory for Atlanta. And then they come back today. Um, we're currently recording at 9 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday, October 27th, for anybody that is wondering. And it is 5-1 to one Astros. Um, Astros teeing off on Max Fried, who has had a very, very poor last couple of starts in the playoffs. At this point, I think you can pretty much call it one to one in the series. I don't want to speak too soon, but you know, a four run lead at home, it's gonna be tough for Atlanta there. Um, let's say we're at a one one series here, and there's a five game series. Who who's winning the series and why? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. And uh, going back to your point earlier, it definitely is surprising. Atlanta has definitely made it much further than I kind of anticipated. Uh, definitely credit to them for knocking out the Dodgers and even the Brewers in the first round, uh, someone that I doubted. And uh, you mentioned the uh, Charlie Morton situation, and I've been skeptical of the Braves pitching the entire way through. So um, the fact that their lineup has really been so hot has really carried them a long way. And uh, we kind of known about that infield for a long time. And I think Ozzie Albies, um, he's been playing good in the field. Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley, like they've got such good uh you know infield that they've been able to develop but the, the outfielders that they acquired out there i mean they've all been hitting hot and especially now that they're playing with the dh early in the year all four of them are out there with peterson solaire and duval and uh it's just like eddie's rosario has been incredible so uh the braves lineup has really been outstanding this year but overall I, i'm still giving the slight edge to the astros um, I do just give them that slight edge in the pitching and I, you know, just kind of worked up the, the Braves offense, but the Astros lineup, we've known about that for a long time. They've been so consistent and, uh, I've been so great for, for so long. So I'm still going to give the edge to the Astros in this, but I've been counting out the Braves for a while and, and their lineup has stayed really, really hot. So, um, the fact that they've been over able, able to overcome their pitching, uh, so far to this point, I don't think there's any reason to think that they can't do it again here against the Astros. But for me personally, um, as you said, um, you know, it's been a competitive series so far but I'm going to stick with the Astros uh, winning the World Series overall yeah and I think it's interesting because the MLB is the only league where we really have to do like deal with the 2-3-2 type of um, yeah. system which is it's still just the dumbest thing you know <laughs> like I understand it it's for travel purposes or yeah travel purposes in like 1910 Donnie. yeah 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 come on so we have a 2-3-2 so Atlanta will have three games at home after this regardless of what happens even if they did lose this game they're still, I would say, in the driver's seat in terms of the home field advantage. But you lose one game, and then now you, you lost everything. It's going to be very hard for Atlanta to win three straight, and I don't anticipate Houston losing a six or seven at home. That would be, you know, astonishing. And I don't want to say, I, I definitely do not want to root for the Astros in a situation like this, um, albeit a much more likable team now than they were a couple of years ago when they were cheating. Now they're kind of just like, you know, good at baseball and, and there's obviously I don't think they could pull off a scandal I definitely agree with you thinking that the Astros will win the series um would I like to see the Braves win the series I wouldn't mind like at this point I don't really care and I think it's a lot of um neutral fans for the most part like once the World Series comes you're kind of just like eh, you know I'm just I'm here for baseball yeah uh, this year a little bit different I, I do think there's a lot of people rooting against Houston um makes sense as they should um but yeah I don't know I think it's really interesting and again the Charlie Morton thing is going to really come to bite them, I think, because if you, your game one starter is going to have two, maybe three starts in, in, in the World Series. If you make it to seven, your game one starter will go one, four, and seven, almost definitely. And Atlanta does not have any – they don't have the luxury to be able to do that considering no Soroka. So that's that's probably the biggest L for them. That's probably the, the biggest downside to all that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't – the World Series is here, always interesting. We have a World Series that's going to go into maybe into November – which is you know yeah i think it'll be a deep series in other in other climates you know maybe you don't want to be going into uh november playing baseball but if you're in houston or atlanta i think it's you know a Not lovely time of year for baseball so uh we'll, we'll definitely address that again i do believe that if we did happen to go to seven in this we would record again on the tuesday before or as game six is going on so i think that's probably pretty good timing for us to go over things um so that, that's enough for baseball, I would say. Sure. On to yeah, more positive hockey news, considering what we talked about to begin, the, this, start this whole thing off was not so great. Um, we can just discuss hockey is in full swing. It's, we, we're really starting to get things going off here. Um, as we talked about before, 
the Blackhawks are very, very bad to start off the year. So it's not, not necessarily like, you know, uh, much to talk about with Chicago right now. Uh, the additions are not going well. And on my side, the Rangers, they, they've played a lot of games. They've played fine. But I really want to talk about, uh, first off, I'm going to give credit to RK for talking about the Florida Panthers almost every time we talk about hockey because he really likes the Florida Panthers. Um, he's a big fan of, of obviously, Huberto. You talk about Huberto being underrated like three times a month. We're pretty much used to that at this point. Sounds about he's right. Gonna yeah. be, he'll, be, he'll be underrated the rest of his career at this point because nobody's rating him still. Like we're still just, It just means really good player in small market. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, obviously, you can look at Carolina, 5-0, and uh, Florida, 6-0. and I, I did not talk very highly of Florida, you know, to begin the year. Maybe I, I was off on that. Also did not talk highly of St. Louis. St. Louis is 5-0, and Edmonton 5-0. and We have some undefeated teams across the league. We also have some teams that are underperforming really badly. Um, the two Canadian markets with the most promise, I would say, in Toronto and Montreal. Um, Montreal is having a tough year. Obviously, no Carey Price, no Shea Weber. We talked about this, but one in six, really not good. And Toronto is two, four, and one. And basically every Leafs fan ever is is – they're, they're slowly drifting away from, you know, being positive and going back to, um, you know, Boston Bruins come back, sad pain, frustration mode, which is unfortunate. Um, but we can get, well, let's just start off here with in general, the undefeated teams, we have Florida, Carolina, St. Louis, and Edmonton. Do any of those teams really like, like speak to you as an undefeated hockey team, a team that should be near the top of the, of the, of the pinnacle, like it should be the pinnacle of the sport. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it definitely is. I'll also throw the uh, Washington Capitals have not had a regulation loss uh, yet. A couple overtime losses for them, but um, yeah, it's been interesting so far. Florida, as you mentioned, I mean, like, yeah, they got a pretty good team, and um, you know, you like to think that they have a solid goaltending duo. I mean, Bobrovsky's been a little up and down, but overall, in his career, has been good. And you got Spencer Knight, so I think there's reasons to be optimistic about Florida. But they've really been one of the best teams in the NHL so far this year, which has been nice to see for them. But um, yeah, it is a little uh, surprising overall when you kind of think of. About it obviously still very early on in things with these teams only playing five games or so uh so far but um yeah I think one of them that really surprised me would be the Oilers just because we always talk about Donnie we're like I don't really think they've got very good goaltending and you know maybe their defense is a little bit better than they've had in the past and I like guys like Darnell Nurse and I'm sure you're adding like Duncan Keith onto that back end this year as well as a new addition so um on, on top of their stacked forward core uh, and star power that they've got always but um yeah it's been nice to see that the Oilers have gotten off to a hot start and um, that division overall we kind of saw it as fairly wide open uh, in the Pacific and we're seeing you know who's really you know kind of for real out here who's going to kind of break through so uh, maybe it could definitely be the Oilers a team that you know has been on a little bit of an upswing the last couple of years couple of playoff appearances and whatnot so um, could be interesting to see if the Oilers continue to be one of the top teams in the NHL throughout this season. Yeah. And I mean, see, the thing is, it's like, we've all been waiting for this to happen. Uh, If you're a fan of the Oilers or a fan of the sport, you know, Connor David's very good. You know, Leon Dreisaitl is very good. They've added on guys like Zach Hyman, who's had an incredible start to the year, scores every single night, seems like. Um, And then even guys like Paul Yarvey, they really seen a lot of production out of these guys. So we've been waiting for a team like this to like, just start off and like actually continue well. So I think the biggest thing with the Oilers we're going to see, and I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, oh, the Oilers have lost 11 straight. And now, you know, Connor McDavid is sitting there. He's, he's re- requesting to not talk at, after the post and post game show. It's like the Oilers will, will at some point have some sort of drama happen. It's how it happens every year. It's usually because their goaltender let in 11 goals or something like that. Um, but yeah, definitely interesting. Uh, on the flip hand, we have some, some teams that are pretty much underperforming like hardcore. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about the Blackhawks very much on the ice. Uh, it, it's been pretty tough. 
you're finally getting your first lead tonight, um, seven games in, which I don't know if there's like a record for how long a team has gone without getting the first goal or like, like leading a, a hockey game to start the season, but like 366 minutes, I believe um, this year, like, does that not like just, just aside from all, all the crap that's going on off, off the ice, is that not like shocking to you that they haven't won a single game yet like what's going on yeah it's definitely really surprising because i still think they have good forwards like i feel like every game they've the played they've been good. trailing like a minute or two in like they just give up goals so early on in games that i don't understand why they aren't just ready for the game when the game starts it's very annoying but uh i i still have a lot of optimism with the forwards um obviously i think kane and debrinket have connected a couple times on the power play it's like you're gonna see that they've just got too much skill that um they're gonna be able to make do and honestly kirby doc as well has actually looked really impressive um seems to be taking a nice little step up and um really see him starting to grow uh in terms of himself um now that he's got a little bit more under nhl experience under his belt so outside of that i mean it has not been good i mean the defense has been really bad again and yeah, you go out and you get Seth Jones and in years past, they've just been riding Duncan Keith or they were riding even like Adam Boquist and Henry Yokiharu before they traded them away. So it's like, I'd rather Seth Jones get those minutes than those guys, but the rest of the group is so bad that it doesn't even really matter. I mean, they're, you're, the rest of your top four is Calvin DeHaan, Connor Murphy, uh, and Jake McCabe, all guys that have played some NHL games. They've all played over like 300 games, but I wouldn't really consider that like, you know, top four, you know, lockdown defense. So uh, I think in an ideal world all those guys are like third pair guys maybe you sneak one of them on the second pair but they're all forced to be your top four as is around Seth Jones so um, it's still not a good unit uh, in terms of their defense they're giving up way too many chances on the other end that Mark Andre Fleury can't continue to uh, bail them out or Kevin Lincoln has been playing a little bit more recently as well so it's just been really disastrous for the Blackhawks uh, both on and off the ice um, in a big way so yeah they've, they've still been underperforming but like I said I do like the opt uh, upside with the forward core. They're going to score goals this year, so they're going to get their wins. But, um, you know, a, a rough start like this and a really good division in the Central could, you know, be the difference between making the playoffs and not, uh, even if you get, you know, a midseason head coaching change or uh, a spark that way. So um, that's kind of my thoughts on on how the Hawks have been doing so far. Yeah, and it is really interesting to look at just if, if the Hawks have a, a poor year, obviously now they are, are ran by somebody completely different in terms of the front office. Uh, no more Stan Bowman. So we'll see if there is a um, shift in philosophy a little bit. Yeah, they're, they're interesting. Be potential. Was their, uh, he was like their director of like hockey strategy uh, and analytics. So I thought that was an interesting move. I personally really liked Mark Kelly in their front office. who was the director of amateur scouting. I think he actually does a really good job at identifying talent that the Hawks have taken early in drafts before they trade them away. But uh, that's what the Hawks decided to do. So um, still a guy within the organization that that's running him. So we'll see if he, you know, goes from interim to full time or if they um, maybe look somewhere else to get that long term GM fix. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, Jeremy Colleton is definitely going to be on some thin ice. I mean, you, you see a lot that teams that have talent, if they make a head coaching change and, and can figure some things out, it's, it's easy to look at the St. Louis Blues from a few years ago um, as that kind of classic example. So I wouldn't even necessarily rule it out that the Hawks, you know, kind of have a bounce back a little bit later on but so far early on it's been you know pretty disastrous and and like i said i think the defense continues to hold them back yeah um well we'll definitely get more into hockey as the season progresses it's very hard to make judgment this early on in the year definitely. like you know you, you see teams chicago's got the same record as arizona chicago's definitely going to be better than arizona this year arizona might be the worst team that we've seen in, in the NHL <laughs> yeah. since like the abs like well. four or five years. you got clinton it's, keller and, and that's about all i can say about you it's it's been a toughie um before we get into questions, I just want to do a quick rundown of the NFL just for fun because the Giants won a game this week. I, I just want you all Yay. to understand that. 
Um, on the <laughs> other hand, the Eagles did not win a game this no. week. Um, really, just not the best time for RK. RK's football fandom it's it's a little bit it's a oh, little shaky right now. What's going on? It's a little little <laughs> shaky right now. You know, obviously, um, it, it's been a tough ride for you as, as just a fan of the sport in general. Uh, watching Iowa, you know, things have been um less than fun, and then the NFL. It's the same here. Don't you worry. But what I do know is there are teams that are actually having fun and, and their fans are enjoying themselves right now, uh, which is crazy to think about. Just in general, considering as an Eagles fan, you know, we'll start with the Eagles, I guess. Another weird game where, first off, you lose your, you lose your running back who doesn't get used in the first place. So that's like tough. Yep, true. And then the classic, it always gets me when the Eagles run out, these running backs are like on the team that I didn't remember existed. Boston Scott, what a guy. Welcome back. Still around. Uh, Wait yeah, for the Giants yeah, game, he, Donnie. He's going to have like 200 knew. yards. Uh, yeah, you just knew Boston Scott was going to rear his head at some point this year and be like, hey, we're back. And then he'll have three touchdowns with the Giants in a game that matters. I don't know. At least you know. Um, at least you know. Yeah. But, you know, obviously a tough loss against the, I, I guess we could say surging Raiders. They're playing good enough to where this is okay. Like they lose to the Bears and then they come out and they're like, oh, we're back. Like we're okay. Yeah. So that, that's, that's good stuff. Um, what'd you see out of this week? Obviously. So in my perspective as, as a non Eagles fan, you know, Jalen hurts. He's under a lot of pressure. That's, that's all on note. He's under a lot of pressure. He does not have much time to do, do a whole lot. And that's tough. Yeah. You're definitely right on that. And I would also say that it's just such a young offense overall. You got a first year head coach. You got a quarterback in his first full year starting. You've got your best receiver is a rookie and your second best receiver is a second year player who still has got a long way to go in his development. And he just traded away Zach Ertz who wasn't doing much for you anyways. But um, there's just a lot of things that it's like, man, they're just working it out. You can tell they're really trying to grind it out on offense. And um, as you said, with, with the kind of the Jalen Hurts side of things, you know, he has kind of quieted down a little bit he got off to a really hot start I thought but the last couple of games I definitely think it's more you know he could be doing a little bit more for the team but to your point he is just kind of running for his life a little bit and, and they can help him out all the but, time um you know he is a little bit of a slower processor that was something he was very apparent on his college tape consistently um it, w- it was a little bit more challenging for him to kind of uh, go through his reads and his progressions which is something that comes with time and especially as he continues to progress through NFL defenses so he I do believe can get better at but it's still an area of his game that is blocking so there's a lot of times where he's trying to run around and maybe he'll end up taking a sack or he's avoided some of those kind of crazy turnovers a little bit but um yeah I mean it's been a lot of growing pains for the Eagles and and to your point with the Raiders too um you know in a really good division they're kind of hanging around playing some good football a little inconsistent sometimes you know they they can sneak in some of those bad losses and whatnot but um they've been playing pretty solid overall I think Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards were both pretty good picks uh at receiver that we've been able to develop a little bit so far for them to help out Derek Carr so um did did see some things that were decent from the Raiders overall but um yeah Eagles are are not looking too pretty and uh um Nick Sirianni's got to try to figure something out on offense uh and and as you mentioned without Miles Sanders and then Devontae Smith not practicing uh this week as well yeah so the sport of football developing if you have a team that's like kind of a fringe team with a young quarterback it's gonna be a tough time probably like we've seen time and time again young quarterbacks do not do very well in the NFL especially when they don't have many weapons. There's a reason for that. Obviously young quarterbacks are taken high in the draft to teams that were poor. And then those teams that were poor are usually pretty bad. Um, it, it's going to be tough. I think that you've got a legit quarterback one for a long time in Jalen hurts, which is I something do. that I wouldn't have said last year. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a W at least, um, you know, in, in my perspective as a giants fan, I'm still sitting here like, 
You know, I don't know. My quarterback's better at catching the ball than throwing the ball. That's always really <laughs> ideal. Um, if, if, if you didn't see that, obviously yeah, that he made nice like catch. a ridiculous uh, out of nowhere athletic guy, I guess. Um, yeah, you, you knew it. You knew that though. You know, the giants knock off the Carolina Panthers who are officially mediocre again. Um, you know, they're the same, uh, Eric, I got a shout out for you. You're the same as the, the same as the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. I started three and oh, and things have gone very poorly since. <laughs> yeah. I was um, big wrong on the Panthers. I thought they were for real and they've really yeah. altered. I thought the Panthers were better than that. Um, but you know, you know, the giants win a, a football game that means nothing. And then it makes me sad because they shouldn't be winning games. That's all. Uh, we can go around the league a little bit. First off, like what, what's up with the defense giving up 54 points to the Patriots? Like how, so the jets lost 54 to 13. So I, I just want everybody to understand Zach Wilson got hurt. He did not play the majority of the game. So that, that's, that's part of it, obviously, but uh, 54 points. Yeah, that's college. That's Texas tech numbers. That, that's Alabama offense numbers. I, I, they're, they're playing Jacksonville state and they put a 54. You're like, ah, you know, fine. But the New York Jets, a football team with, with a coach that is, you know, I might be wrong on this, but I thought the coach was defensive minded. I thought that was the whole purpose of this. You know, you get a guy with, with a, a, a big brain on the, how do you give up 54 points? How does that happen? Tell me, just, just give, give me any, enlighten me, please. Yeah, I don't even understand. The Patriots just own the Jets. Like, no matter what's going on, the, the Patriots, they're like, you can throw they're an okay there. team at best. And they just steamroll the Jets this weekend. Just absolutely just destroy them without having any issue. And uh, after, like, two years where it's like, has this team had an explosive offensive playmaker? And then, bang, it all just comes out. Here's Damian Harris and Brandon Bolden going crazy for, for New England this weekend. So, uh, yeah, the Jets – Oh my gosh, are they bad again? I mean, wow. I think we saw that the Jets would maybe like be a competitive football team this year, like maybe not lose by 40 to your division rival, but no, that's not the case. They're still absolutely horrible. I don't know. I, I like you said, I, I thought I, that Robert Sala was going to be a good hire, a defensive coordinator with the, with the uh, 49ers. He was doing great there and has not translated, you know, they still have a young roster, needed a lot of more help in terms of playmakers on both offense and defense. Um, but yeah, wow. That, I think the Jets are, you know, maybe in a, a still a, a situation where they're not even close uh, to being competitive. So um, yeah, that one actually was one score that definitely surprised me just because I didn't know if we could see the Patriots, you know, put up those numbers, like you're saying, Jacksonville State uh, numbers uh, this week in the NFL. Yeah, and I mean, we saw there's other teams, too, that got absolutely clapped. Like, you know, we're talking about Chicago puts up three points against Tampa Bay. Tom Brady throws a 600 touchdown pass. Then the ball yeah. gets in the crowd, and then the guy gets yeah. the ball, trying to the ball for a bunch of merch. Like, really interesting stuff. Obviously, the Black, you know, you got to think about it. Like, it just in general, it's like the Blackhawks are bad, but like the Bears – on just in terms of a sporting talent only in terms of in terms of the output on the on the court or on the field or on the ice the bears might be worse than the blackhawks will be like you the blackhawks can lose every game and you can still have the bears go out there and just like it's just useless like why do i why do you why do they exist why is it a team yeah i honestly like the bear i can't believe i'm actually saying this but like the bears might even be more frustrating than the blackhawks and i'm not even a bears fan like the, like what are what are the bears like what i don't understand like are they trying to be good are they trying to be bad like they're bad they're bad at trying to be good and trying to be bad like i i, I don't understand the bears at all like like they're I, the, like i said the bears are just like so confusing like are they a good team are they a bad team? Like they're neither. Like what, what are the bears? What do you think, Donnie? Like what, what are the bears? They, they exist. They're just there. Yeah, it's like, like, I don't understand. 
it's they're they're really doing the Minnesota Wild thing um, right now. It's it's not going like well not even them. not even good as good. They're not as even, the not wild even as good. Yeah, it's honestly <laughs> it's not even on that level. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other games. So this week in football was not great. It, let's just let's just be honest here. This week in football was very not great. A lot of not close games. Sure. Um, including you know obviously we knew Arizona was going to beat Houston. They won thirty-one to five, which is a score that shouldn't happen. Score Agami, I believe, which is you know let's go. We love our score Agamis. Um. And then, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals beat Baltimore by 24. How does that happen? It's That's in Baltimore. Really Joe, Joe Burrow with 416, three touchdowns. Jamar Chase looks like the next reincarnation of Jesus Christ himself on the field. Um it's it's really something. And you know, obviously Baltimore, that's that's a real panic worry. That can't happen. You can't allow that. Um but but in just in general, like Bye weeks are bad for football. I think we established this week that the bye weeks that just they killed any any momentum for there to be positive games. You have the Chargers who are fun to watch and Dallas who was fun to watch both off. And so we have to sit here and watch New Orleans play Geno Smith and the Seattle. Ah, come on. Like, you know, I, I feel bad for Seahawks fans because you know you don't have your quarterback or your running back in. You st- you stuck in a game against Jameis Winston, who looked like he James Pretty Winston, funny. <laughs> football week seven was tough. You know, we'll we'll, we'll gloss over the rest of it. Obviously, Eric's uh, Broncos lost. Sorry, you know, cry about it, Eric. You know, really, just like <laughs> I felt bad for him because if anybody wants to go, uh, you want to have a laugh, go to Eric's Sunday tweets. Eric eighteen Utah on Twitter. Go to his tweets on Sunday and just look at how the Broncos they do something right, and he's like so gassed up, and then it slowly just declines a little bit over and. And, and then by the end of the game, he's sending me texts like, your football is dumb. You're right. Football is stupid. Like, I've been saying football is stupid. <laughs> That's my classic now. quote. A good thing, actually, I, I'm just not a football fan. I, I've actually never been a football fan before. When the yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Um, yeah, I, I think we've talked about sports enough. You know, we can get to our questions. We have a, a NFL question from Eric before we get into a baseball question, which is actually a very solid one. And Eric's first question is, it's more of like a matching game than anything. I don't know. Eric was on, he was off a bean the other night when he sent me the questions and he said, um, match the teams to the terms. So we have the Bengals, the Titans, and the Vikings, and we have good, fake, and mystery. So of those three teams, who is the good team and why? You know, this is a, this is actually a good question from Eric. I will say this one definitely had to get the gears turning in terms of how am I going to match these up? The good team for me though, I'm going with the Tennessee Titans, you know, they're in a bad division and they have some playoff experience and they have some loaded offensive weapons. I think you've got the best running back in the NFL and two stud receivers with AJ Brown and Julio Jones. So I think that alone just makes you a good football team. We talk about the Titans all the time, Donnie, you have Mike Vrabel, you're going to lose to some terrible teams and make some stupid coaching decisions sometimes, but I still think the Titans have a good team. I think we will be seeing them in the playoffs because I don't think that division is very good and maybe even see them win a game or two. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I would also, I would agree with you if the Bengals didn't put up 41 this week against the Baltimore team. I'm, I think I'm going to take the Bengals as sure. my good team. And I wanted to save the, the Titans victory over the Chiefs until this segment because I thought it was really interesting that first off, like there's no more a, a mystery of a team than a Titans team that loses to the Jets and then goes and beats the Chiefs by 24, three weeks later. It doesn't happen. It shouldn't <laughs> happen. Um, we were literally talking a couple weeks ago on how if you're a Titans fan, should you be panicking right now? Like, what, what are you thinking? Should you be nervous? Are you afraid of them sure. losing the next week? Yeah. And you, you remember this and now they're out here absolutely dominating a chiefs team, which is just shocking. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm going to take the reins here. I'm going to take Bengals for good and Titans for my mystery team, uh, between fake and mystery 
and Titans Vikings. What do you got? Because I do know, but I'll preface this. He is a, a pro Vikings uh, a, a little bit, which is surprising because I don't think anybody's pro Vikings. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm glad you said that, Donnie, because I was going to allude how previously on this podcast, I have defended the Minnesota Vikings in terms of their ability quite to often. compete with the Green quite Bay often. Packers. They quite can compete often. with the Green Bay Packers quite often. North, but that still makes them a fake team. Like they're not doing shit in the playoffs. Like I, they, they, okay. Kyle Rudolph pushed off and they won a playoff game one time in new Orleans and all the saints fans are like, the refs hate us. All right. Congrats. You know, Kirk cousins, you finally got a playoff win. I'm still not buying it. The Vikings are still a fake team overall to me. Like they're, they're not, you know, I, I don't look at the Vikings any serious. Yeah. You made the NFC title game a few times. Like, but I still don't really take it that seriously with Kirk Cousins. Like he's just so inconsistent in his career. Like I, I, I like the Vikings to compete with the Packers, but they're a fake team in the National Football League. So that's what I'm saying there. So that means my mystery team is the Cincinnati Bengals. And mostly my logic for that is they've looked really good so far. I love Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase because LSU, I love them. And I think they give them some upside, but they're still kind of a mystery to me because I still think so highly of that division. I feel like this is also something I say almost every podcast, but the AFC North is a really good division. Who is the worst team in that division? Before the year, we were saying it was the Bengals because the Browns are good and the Uh, Steelers and Ravens both have really good coaches and solid rosters. So uh, I think for those reasons, the Bengals, they're really going to be tested. Have they looked good so far? Yeah. And I think they've looked way better than I even expected them to. And I have to give Zach Taylor some credit, which is not something I expected to do because I wasn't very high on him as head coach overall. But to me, they're still a mystery team, not a ton of playoff experience on that roster, but I do think they have some firepower because Burrow and Jamar Chase have really been cooking uh, so far this year. And I also like Boyd and Mixon and some of the other guys they can throw out there. So uh, to me, that makes the Bengals the mystery team in this bunch yeah I think that's fair and I mean before we uh, move on to another question we have that division is really weird because first off Cincinnati is going and absolutely dominating a Baltimore team in Baltimore which that shouldn't happen you should just you got to win your home games in the division um Cleveland is currently dealing with like a plethora of of random injuries (laughs) out of nowhere they still beat the Denver Broncos Eric um but you know (laughs) Case today Case Keenum, yeah, I mean, you got to sometimes. Case Keenum, he, he said, is this going to be up tomorrow? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going traveling, and I made sure that, that we're getting all the nice. Eric in. I, I needed all the texts on the road. Um, but, yeah, it's like, first off, they're missing their top two running backs, which is, like, the only like, really, really, like, great thing about their offense. Obviously, it's a good offense full of players like Baker Mayfield, who's hurt right now also, is, is very inconsistent still. We're, we're still waiting to see um what baker mayfield can do and i mean like they're, they're saying on espn shows now how is baker mayfield going to get an extension is daniel jones more likely to make a mayfield to get an extension like Colin no, Coward, it was literally on espn they're talking on nfl live about how baker mayfield or daniel jones is more likely to get an extension than baker mayfield if that's the case give me baker mayfield and the giants and just like yeah. i'm fine with it thought he's out of the giants if that happens i, I I'm, I'm out of the giants if that happens so um <laughs> and then you have pittsburgh who I just such a, another strange team. that doesn't make any sense. Um, really. I don't even know what to say about this. Obviously like, you know, they have, they have their studs, you know, every time you're going to go out there on offense, you got to deal with TJ Watt. That's never a fun time. And on offense, it's like, you know, Najee Harris is, is good. The wide receiving core is good when they're healthy. Mm-hmm. And right now, not, not super health. Who knows? But yeah, I think that's fair. I just want to give some credit to the Cincinnati Bengals because like any team, we see it all the time. These teams that end up getting these high overall picks and then they're bad for three or four more years after that. And the quarterback's like, yeah, you know, I'm having a great time. But the Bengals look to actually like be a legitimate team where they play defense, which is something that you can't say about 20 other teams in the league. So like just a, just a real positive, honestly. Yeah. Shout out to Jesse Bates. He's a good man in that secondary for the Bengals. He's a really underrated safety. 
you know, RK giving his random shout outs. You know, we love that on, on this pod. Um, we have another question from Eric before we get into Kira's question. Obviously, I want to apologize to Kira before I even say anything. I, I said she had to do better. Apparently, she sent a question like 20 minutes after we it finished was right recording, after. which is just so unfortunate. You know, I, I, I shouldn't have called you out. I apologize. <laughs> um, but, but Eric's second question, what is the Astros legacy if now, after a cheating scandal, they win the World Series fair and square this year? Uh, I'll let you take this. What do you got? Yeah, I, I do think this is a, another very intellectual comment here from Eric. And, uh, you know, it, it is an interesting thought. You know, it's like everyone, like we were talking about when we were talking about the World Series earlier, Donnie, it's like, man, we don't want to see the Astros win again. They cheated to win a World Series. It kind of leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. But they still have a really good baseball team. That's just a fact that uh, we've really been talking about all summer, which we, we don't want to admit it, but they just do. Their lineup is loaded and um, they, they it's just so deep. Um, and, and they have really good bats in that lineup and, um, even their pitching from guys, even after losing some of their big name guys in recent years, a year with no Verlander, no more Garrett Cole there. Um, they're still able to find ways to, um, have good, find ways to get good starters. There we go. Um, so I think that the Astros, you know, credit to them, um, for how they've been able to just kind of put things behind them. And honestly, what's really surprised me is Dusty Baker as manager. I was very low on that decision to hire him, but he's done an outstanding job this year. I really just have to give him a lot of credit. Um, as well for them to be so consistent this year. So, um, yeah, I I think it does. I I think in some people's eyes, it would still, oh, I hate the Astros. They cheated. Like, but I think you would have to give them a little bit more respect because if you're winning a championship legitly, you know, it's like, all right, you guys have a good team. And, um, yeah, you may have, you know, cheated to get your last one, but they've been a really consistent team over the last couple of years. And even after the, you know, cheating allegedly stopped there, they've still been playing really good baseball. So I think it, for me, it does actually, you know, kind of help things in terms of how I view the Astros, if they are able to kind of complete this and, and win the world series this year in terms of like giving them a little bit more respect, but, um, it still doesn't change how things work couple years ago but uh, at least in terms of like the overall view of the Astros I definitely would give them a little bit more respect if they were able to win it all this year yeah I think that's fair and I mean it's like I I think it's like crazy to think about the Astros did the one thing that could like get them more hated than the Yankees by like using technology to cheat and win a World Series and take the, the sanctity away from naming a champion every year it seems to be like pretty much like we've established oh if you win the World Series like you you deserve it you're the best team that yeah. year even with the Nationals a couple of years ago, who were pretty make a wish until the point they were pretty inconsistent. Yeah, out of like nowhere, the St. Louis just, Blues, they were in last place early in the year. Yeah, and so the fact that that can happen, it really shows that you know baseball, you're the best team is probably going to win, and that is something that, if anything, they've just like put a doubt and they put dropped a seed in the mind of fans. Like, are they cheating this year? Are they doing something? What's right. going on? And I've seen multiple legitimate like credited reporters say. Um, oh, you know, even if they did do something, even if something was happening this year, nobody would say anything about it. There would be no idea. Nobody would know because obviously they've gone through the scandal already. They would know how to better do it. I don't think they're cheating. And if they did win, it wouldn't change my perspective at all. Obviously, it's like there are players on the team that are new here. So like Kyle Tucker, he's not he's not anybody to blame. He was not on the team at the time of, of that scandal. And there's, also, there's other guys too. So to a point, um, you know, it, it'll legitimize guys like Jose Altuve, um, who had the, the whole buzzard up his shirt tattoo scandal yeah. thing, which was probably worse than than actually cheating. Him saying, "No, I didn't want to take my jersey off because I had a tattoo," and it turns out the tattoo like this doesn't exist, or it's it's a garbage way to go about things. But uh, it'll legitimize things, and, and they will win fair and square this year if they do win. And the, the legacy is always tainted; it's going to be tainted forever. The team. This team currently, until they rebuild and get a completely new 
manager, you get a complete new player set. Um, once guys like Altuve and Correa and all these guys that were there on the time leap, it's still going to be tainted and nobody's going to say otherwise. It's, it's unfortunate because it is going to end up talking. We're talking about some of the better players during our time. Like Jose Altuve is going to go down as one of the better hitters in terms of a, a contact on base getter. He's all of Amor, I would say. Uh, of, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And uh, Carlos Correa is a, an incredible, incredible talent who is going to sign a massive deal um, somewhere this year. And everybody will forget about the fact that, you know, he cheated if, if he ends up on the Yankees or whatever, then they just hate the Yankees. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Until they completely rebuild the team and it could get rid of everybody, it's going to be a completely new team. Nobody that was on the, the, the cheating scandal team they're still going to be looked at as very, very, it's, it's a pitiful situation. It's something that shouldn't happen in sports. Um, and I, I don't think it's going to do anything for their legacy until they have a completely new team and win again. And then everything's like, okay, so like, this is real. This is how it's working. Yeah. I think that was pretty well said. And yeah, I think everyone kind of has a different opinion on it. I'm sure the New York Yankee fans are like, fuck the Astros. I don't care. I still want them to lose. Doesn't the matter. Fans they are, it this year. They still cheated. The um, like it's crazy when when you lose to the team that's playing the team that cheated against you. It's like you're not supposed to root for the team that beat you. That's yeah. just not in my mindset. At least it's like when the Rangers would lose to like the Penguins or whatever, I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, it's fine, go go Peng. I would root for that team. Or even if the Rangers would lose to somebody that wasn't really a rival, like the Capitals in division, but not really a rival, I still would be like, yeah, I want those Capitals to win. I root for whoever was. But like, it's just a different situation now. It's like I'm rooting for the Braves. Probably I would say that that's that's pretty fair. Um, mostly because I think it would be really funny. It would be quality, quality content if the Astros ended up losing the series because it would really, those players will never be able to live again. If they don't make, if they don't make a world series and win it, like Jose Altuve will never be able to show up at, at a, an establishment outside of Houston. Like it's just, <laughs> he's going to be taunted his entire life and he's going to be able to do nothing about it. Um, that's my perspective. I'm sticking with it. I'm for it. All right, let's get to Kira's question. Kira, thank you for the question last week uh, after the – I apologize. I shouldn't have called you out. That, that's on me. Um, Kira asks, what's something you own that you never want to get rid of for the rest of your life? Uh, RK, give me an answer. What do you got? Yeah, very interesting question here. My first thought was like, hmm, well, what's something that's like unique to myself that I own? And I was thinking of like products and whatnot. And I thought of like a memory or like an experience. And I was like, wow, well, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, that was amazing. Like I wouldn't trade that experience or that memory of uh, being at the Eagles Super Bowl with my dad and being at that game. It was just a great day. So I got a t-shirt after the end of that game, an Eagles Super Bowl t-shirt that just always brings me great joy every time I see it to bringing me back to that day when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and Nick Foles threw for a million yards on Bill Belichick's defense. It was just a great day. So, um, you know, really something that I own is that memory and that experience of being at that Super Bowl. So I'll say the Eagles Super Bowl champion t-shirt that I have uh, to commemorate that game. Yeah, see, I was thinking about this and I, I was trying to figure out like what the item would be because I'm not that much of a like, you know, I need things type of yeah. person. Um, but I do have, I have an old Los Angeles Kings jersey from the first time I ever went to a, a hockey game. Uh, sitting in my closet, I will take a picture of it if anybody is curious. You know, feel free to tweet at the Rothpot account and I will gladly take a picture of it. Uh, I have an old Kings jersey. It's probably, probably like from 2003, 2004. Um, and, and, you know, it just, it, I think that's an important like little memory thing to have because I, I am a massive, massive hockey fan. Hockey is a very, very important part of my life. And without, you know, going to games at first, it's the same with baseball, but to a lesser extent, I think, because, you know, baseball is America's pastime. Hockey is a little bit less of a uh, popularized sport. Uh, so I would just say probably the first jersey I wore to a hockey game. Um, nice. 
yeah, I, th- I think that's probably uh, it. I don't, uh, especially after purging out everything when we we've uh, moved a couple times, especially when we moved from California the first time. That was my my child ho- a child home. That was the first ho- home that I really remember. We purged so much stuff that I can yeah. like, back and be like, yeah, I could probably I could probably like I, I probably should have kept that. Um, <laughs> you know, child- childhood memory stuff yeah. that I did in school. That's painting, that's funny you so. mentioned that uh, with moving, Donnie, because I was thinking the same thing. Because like I just moved like across the hall in in my apartment here in Iowa City, and it's like, what was I bringing over that I was like, I can't get rid of this? Because I was thinking like technology. I was like, well, I mean, I'm gonna get like new computers, new TVs, new phones. Like at some point in my life, like for the rest of my life, like what do I want to hold on to? So this actually really got me thinking. I was like, I was like looking around, I was like thinking of like what I was moving. I was like, is there something that I really couldn't go without? And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go back to the memory of uh, the Eagles Super Bowl. So that was funny to hear you mention that too. Yeah, I think that's kind of how it goes. Like, obviously, like sentimentality or whatever is yeah, no sentimental. Doubt. It matters to a point, and then you start moving. You're like, ah, you know, sentimental. You know, I just want to go to sleep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think this was a good episode, mostly because we actually got some positive. Like, we we actually said something that mattered this week instead of yeah. just talking about like like normal. Uh, we we need change of pace things. Obviously, what a terrible terrible incident, and, and we we feel. It, it, it's more shocking than anything i think that that something like that can occur but again you know the world that we live in maybe not so surprising but uh, i really appreciate the fact that we actually got something of value out instead of me just saying uh, mean words to eric for for <laughs> almost an hour um rk do you want to finish this off yeah i'll do it and yeah i definitely agree with you just to kind of wrap things up full circle on that i mean um you know obviously chicago blackhawks you know an organization that you know has been life-altering for me you know even the teams that i had followed i I think there's a direct relationship between you know watching them win a championship especially in 2015 uh in terms of you know how my life has kind of unfolded since in terms of you know being exposed to the sport of hockey and wanting to work in it now full-time and um you know it it really just kind of puts things into perspective like you're saying like to hear you know quotes from like joel glenville saying that it's like oh we don't we don't have time for sexual assault allegations we're we're trying to win a Stanley cup. It's like, I can hundred percent hear him saying that and see that that culture exists. And, um, it really just, you know, makes you realize like, okay, I'm kind of following this situation along, but I'm also a human being involved in this situation. And if I ever get put in a similar situation, you need to be a leader and then step up about it. And you can't let something like this slide. So hopefully that, you know, at least for me, it was, it was very educational to, to learn from, you know, Kyle's experience and hearing him talk about it today that, um, hopefully it makes me a better person moving forward as well. And, uh, especially someone working in hockey full-time, I, I do try to take a lot of pride in making sure that, you know, you leave a positive impact and, uh, leave things in a better place than you found it. So, um, you know, not saying that anything is like that's going on, uh, under my watch, but you know, it, you really want to be a resource there to help other people and, um, definitely don't want anyone else to feel the same thing. So, um, definitely encourage people to, you know, listen to, you know, kind of how that story unfolded and, um, especially following the Blackhawks organization so closely for me, um, gave me a lot of good insight. And, and as I said, it's, it's sad that things kind of got worse the more I learned about it. But um, like I said, to kind of, you know, summarize things, hopefully it makes me a better person in terms of, you know, who I am as a person and uh, trying to better the overall hockey community. So really good episode. Always love talking sports with Donnie. Uh, literally the man, if we can talk about any sport at any time, any team, and uh, we'll just it's chat it up. Any, so. any sport, any sport. <laughs> soccer. Up- okay. Hold on. I can't <laughs> talk soccer. Donnie called me out there. He's right. I appreciate that. So um, it's always a fun time <laughs> chatting it up with Donnie and um, you know, really kind of big picture thinking, you know, we really just kind of started up this podcast just cause we like talking sports with each other. So to be able to share it with you guys, the listeners and uh, to get questions, even in an episode like this, where we kind of just threw together an 
episode right after a big time event uh, that we wanted to talk about. It really means a lot to, to the both of us. And I know we've really enjoyed it and, and are excited to continue to pump out more episodes for you guys and um, talk about some sports and things that we all enjoy together. So it really does mean a lot and definitely be sure to interact with us on social media along the way, Check and, um, get to know us a little bit better. Check West, come on the podcast and chat it up with us as well. And um, we always, again, appreciate it and hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Peace. Peace, everybody. Life couldn't get better. This gonna be the best day ever. If it ain't about a dream, then it ain't about me. Go a couple full weeks without a good night's sleep. Imagination, making musical creation. A journey that I'm facing, plus the paper that I'm chasing. Got me crazy after saying with the lames. I see you hating, but there's nothing that you're changing.